Chapter Twenty Nine of Red Diamonds by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twenty Nine. Waiting. During the whole course of the day that followed the events at the Culture College and the raid upon Fidelia's room, Granton received no news of Bostock he felt certain that bostock would send for him and he felt a kind of curious interest to know what he would say the same kind of interest that he remembered feeling as a boy when reading some serial story which stopped at an exciting point with the words to be continued in our next wherever he went he left careful word of the place he was going to next in order that any message which came from bostock might be sent after him he did not want bostock to fancy by a moment's unnecessary delay that he had the least reason for not wishing to meet him but no message came from the fencing-master all that day granton inquired anxiously of lady scardale about fidelia's health when he saw his sister-in-law on the morning after bostock's attempt lady scardale quickly reassured him the dear girl is quite well she said it would take more than the audacity of a fellow like that man madman though he is to shake her nerves for i suppose he is mad isn't he oh yes rupert assented he must be quite mad poor devil didn't he say something lady scardale asked or did i only fancy it in the excitement of last night about your name and his name yes he did say something of the sort granton answered and that confirms me in my impression that he is a little unhinged i made a sort of guess at bostock not being his real name and he tried to retort with some wild too quoque or another but it's of no importance i expect we shall never hear of the fellow again do you think not i think not at least i hope not you see he must know that his game is played out now that he has little or no chance with fidelia i am not surprised at his falling in love with fidelia said lady scardale i don't see how anybody could help that and she gave a little sigh neither do i said granton she is the sort of girl whom any man with a decent heart in his body ought to fall in love with if he wasn't in love with anybody else of course and he laughed but it was not a very convincing sort of laugh it lacked heartiness you weren't in love with any one else rupert lady scardale asked rather sadly granton started i no why you seem to have escaped the fascination i oh a likely story you forget my dear sister that i said any fellow with a decent heart in his body am i the sort of man for a girl like fidelia locke i should have thought you were just the sort of man lady scardale said 
you know rupert that i like mr aspen very much gerald aspen is a thundering good fellow granton interpolated no doubt no doubt lady scardale assented but all the same there was a time when i thought things might have been different granton had been leaning on the chimney-piece looking down into the fire though it was still september the weather had been cold and raw and rainy and lady scardale was a believer in fires he now turned around and faced her his eyes were very bright but that might have been because he had been looking so intently into the fire my dear sister he said perhaps there was a time when i too thought that things might have been different but if there ever was such a time it was a very short time and it's quite over now dead and buried don't let us talk of that any more please dear lady scardale gave another little sigh and was silent granton resumed his study of the fire he saw all sorts of places there the felt and calamity camp and mexico and siam all the wild strange regions in which he had lived and which he had sometimes loved and he was thinking somewhat bitterly that the man with that sort of past was not quite the man to hope for the love of fidelia locke presently he said he must go he had business in town lady scardale asked him to stay and see fidelia who would be down directly that he might assure himself that she was little the worse for the night's adventure but granton declined to stay he had to go into town he said on important business and it was possible that the business might keep him in town all day he might even sleep at the club there were bedrooms at the voyagers club and granton could always get one there if he had not always kept one there since his election to its membership for he liked the place and the people and the rumours from all the ends of the earth he said that the winds of the world seemed to blow in the direction of the voyagers club so he shook lady scardale's hand and left her and went on his way towards town it was not his intention to return at least for the present he would wait he thought within touch of the voyagers club until he heard from bostock until that business however it were to end would be ended when that was of his mind if it ended one way why he could return for a while to the culture college and the society of lady scardale and the sight of fidelia with a lighter heart and if it ended the other way why it would not matter at all so when he got to the club he sent a little note to his sister-in-law saying that he would be staying in town for a day or two and then he set himself to waiting patiently for bostock's message it came at last on the morning of the second day granton was sitting at breakfast in the familiar room in the voyagers he had the morning paper propped up beside him and he occasionally glanced at its columns and he occasionally glanced out upon the green square 
green still although with a greyer green of autumn he had just finished a review of a book of foreign travel which had set his fancy dancing freely over the surface of the civilized and uncivilized globe when a club servant brought him a letter on a salver and told him that an answer was expected the letter was addressed in a fine sloping hand that had something almost feminine in it but granton felt sure at once that it was written by no woman's hand and that it was the letter he expected he opened it quietly and read these words keep your promise meet me to-morrow night at midnight at the old boat-house by the three cups beyond battersea you will find your way easily if you follow this plan at the bottom of the page was traced not unskilfully a sketch-map of the straits which granton was to traverse in order to reach this strange tryst there was no signature to the letter none was needed granton asked who had brought the message and he was told that it was brought by an ordinary messenger granton got up and went to the desk in the middle of the room where the cashier sat he took a sheet of paper and asked for an envelope on the sheet of paper he wrote simply the words all right put it into the envelope which he fastened without addressing and handed it to the servant to give to the messenger this done he quietly returned to the table where he had been sitting resumed his newspaper and finished reading his article but when he had finished reading his article when he had left the breakfast-room and was sitting in the little alcove where on a former occasion gerald aspen had sat and talked with seth chickering he felt a graver mood come over him this business was serious there was no mistake about that granton had put his life in peril a hundred times for a woman for a wager for a jest sometimes just for the mere pleasure of putting his life in danger he had never studied his own feelings on any of these occasions had never given any serious thought to their possible result i set very little value on human life he used to say and least of all upon my own but of late he had been learning that human life had a value that even his own life had a value and somehow the whole aspect of things seemed different involuntarily his thoughts drifted back to other days to other occasions on which he had measured his skill and strength against the skill and strength of some other man with life or the chance of death upon the struggle there was that time long ago in fontainebleau when he was really little more than a boy and when he and a young fool from the spanish embassy measured swords for the sake of the bright eyes of a little actress from the folies bergeres he had wounded this man he remembered and lost the lady whose compassionate heart was melted by the sufferings of her stabbed castilian 
then there was that sabre-duel in the woods on the other side of the neckar opposite heidelberg where he got that cut across his forehead which he could still feel if he pushed back the hair and where he so grievously slashed his opponent there was that shooting business in the almost empty saloon of the steamboat on the amazonas when he was beating up filibusters for the san granada insurrection there was the duel in the pinewood at calamity camp and ah worst of all there was that unhappy quarrel and fight which ended so fatally in the felt when red gundy killed captain warbler it was a curious record to look back upon but only the last item made him shudder by jove he said to himself thoughtfully taking his cigar from his mouth and blowing upon the burning end until it glowed a fiery red by jove if that scoundrel should kill me now perhaps it might be considered as a sort of expiation the thought and the words brought fidelia's face very vividly before him and reminded him that he had things to do which he had never thought of doing before on the eve of any former struggle for life i am a man of property now he said to himself with a melancholy laugh and property has its duties as well as its rights he got up and had a cab called for and when it came he got into it and told the man to drive to a certain famous firm of solicitors when he got there he sent in his name and the principal who knew him saw him and in a few minutes granton explained what he wanted he wanted to make his will and the instructions were simple in the event of anything happening to him the fortune that was waiting for him was to be divided into three equal parts one was to go to his sister-in-law lady scardale to be employed as she should think best for the benefit of the culture college in chelsea the second portion was to go to fidelia locke the third to gerald aspen when this was arranged and it did not take very long granton thanked his legal friend and walked out into the air feeling like a free man if the worst came to the worst why he should still be of some use to somebody the words from macbeth kept humming in his ears nothing in his life became him like the leaving it until he almost laughed aloud that fellow wouldn't be so anxious to kill me he thought if he knew that his deed would serve to benefit gerald aspen whom he hates the thought of gerald aspen spurred him i shall do my level best not to let that fellow kill me he decided it would never do to have him knocking about with the power of injuring gerald and through gerald fidelia he got back to the club and sat down in a quiet room which was called the reading-room and in which silence was popularly supposed to be observed and there he wrote several letters 
one was to gerald that was comparatively short another and much longer letter was addressed to lady scardale the third which took more time and thought than either of the others was addressed to fidelia locke it was a short letter but every word came directly from his heart and yet it said nothing which fidelia need mind any one lady scardale or gerald or any one else seeing it was a simple letter of farewell and good wishes the kind of prayer for a woman's happiness that a man like granton can sometimes find words to express these three letters he enclosed in a large envelope on which he wrote to captain the honourable john raven to be opened in a certain contingency this letter he enclosed again in a further envelope together with a short note to raven asking him in the event of granton not claiming the package in a few days to open it and send the enclosed letters to their respective addressees this he sealed addressed to raven and gave it to the hall-porter with the instructions that it was to be delivered to captain raven the first thing the following morning granton particularly impressed upon the man that he was not upon any account to deliver the letter to raven that night having done all this granton gave a sigh of relief he had not done so much business for many a long day and he was amused as he reflected upon it now he felt himself free to spend the rest of the day in any way he pleased i have earned a holiday he said to himself how shall i enjoy it it was luncheon hour by this time so he went upstairs and found raven sitting at a table by himself and granton joined him and listened with pleasure while raven talked about lydia raven was not expecting hiram boringer but presently hiram suddenly turned up and joined them they talked of travel as became three such members of the voyagers club raven announced his intention of going around the world with his bride hiram spoke of an expedition to the south pole the little old south pole doesn't get a chance nowadays he said and i mean to give it a new start granton observed that he too thought of going for a journey a long journey but when the others asked him where he thought of going he answered that he hadn't quite made up his mind yet it depended somewhat upon circumstances so the time slipped by as they rose from the table granton looking at hiram thought to himself here would be the very man to take with me to see fair in this business but then he thought no the other man expects me to go alone and alone i will go like to say a word to you hiram announced as if he had been reading granton's thoughts all right granton replied 
raven vanished to look after the business of the club generally granton and hiram went down to the recess on the stairs where since the opening of this story so many cigars and cigarettes have been smoked hiram began abruptly you know that man bostock yes i know him granton said with emphasis well i'm getting to know him do you like him no certainly not no more do i do you know anything against him i rather fancy i do granton answered with emphasis well somehow i rather fancy i do too do you know i've just come back from naples really very nice place naples yes but i didn't go there to see mount vesuvius or the ruins of pompeii well now granton said after looking fixedly in hiram's face i don't suppose you did this time no i went to find out about this man bostock i would have taken my bible oath i saw him in a low drinking place there years ago and i saw him in a row and saw him throw a knife at a swedish sailor and hit him in the throat and i told him so told who why told bostock of course yes what did he say said it wasn't true said it was an utter mistake of mine perhaps it was oh no it was not that's what i went to naples to find out about look here shipmate i don't care much if a man throws a knife at another in a row at a drinking shop that don't concern me i may have done as bad as that more than once in my life so may you perhaps so may i perhaps granton answered gravely but when it comes to denying it don't you see that becomes a different sort of question suppose you hit a man with a knife in a row at naples years and years ago why i say what's that to me nothing much certainly granton said he was beginning to be interested now in hiram's story no but suppose you say you weren't the man as threw the knife and showed a mighty skill with the knife and i can prove that you were how about that messmate what sort of a light does that throw on other charges that may have been made against you and which you have equally denied don't you see how about them i want to know if you can prove your first charge it does look very serious as regards the others granton said but can you prove that this bostock is the man who threw the knife in naples and then said he was not the man granton was now quite eager about the business i can prove it hiram exclaimed i have been to naples i have got hold of a chap who was there and who swears he could identify the man who threw the knife anywhere and he is none of your blooming italians but an honest englishman who lives in naples and i have brought him over here and shown him bostock 
and he says he'll swear to bostock being the man before any judge and jury in great britain grant meditated for a moment but admitting that this is all true he said at last what do you mean to charge against bostock our courts of law don't take account of rows in public-houses in naples no but i may have other charges and if he is a liar in one he is a liar in all i take it well said granton after another pause i take it so too i also may have other charges against him i am very much obliged for your information it is of great importance to me will you act on my advice that i will most certainly then do nothing until to-morrow don't talk of this thing to any one until to-morrow if i can i will see you to-morrow here at one o'clock if i don't see you then take the course that seems best to you you are sure to hear news before that i don't quite understand hiram said wait until to-morrow granton said and you will understand all all right i'll wait End of chapter 29